Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three, living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today for a conversation with author and mental health advocate, Ida Schottenstein. Ida is the founder of The Multi-Role Woman, where she has become a leader in the women's empowerment movement. She is passionate about helping women and children deal with self-doubt and building confidence to boost mental health. Today, our conversation will discuss that very topic. How can we foster confidence in our children? We'll discuss how confidence affects mental health, how we can build confidence in our children, and how her new book, Sarah Dreamer, supports this message. I felt like this was a great follow-up to last week's conversation regarding mental health and adults. This one focuses a lot more on children and just what we can do to foster the confidence in children that we may not have had as teenagers or as children ourselves. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the biggest way that you can help this podcast succeed and grow. I wanted to give a shout out to Retta for exclamation point for the review this week. She says, so helpful. Even though I'm an empty nester, this podcast helps me. I love the examples and tangibles. Thank you for being real and sharing practical, I think she said tips. So I just appreciate the review. I'm really, I'm always telling people that you don't have to be a mom to gain wisdom from this podcast. And there really are episodes focused on a variety of topics that don't apply to motherhood. Obviously, we do talk about motherhood. We're talking about motherhood today, but a lot of it is applicable to any stage of life. So I just encourage you to share the podcast with someone this week that could maybe benefit from the information as well. I wanted to mention one more thing before we get started with Ida. The sound quality is a little wonky. I realize that it's frustrating when that happens. I do not like it either. We record this episode with me recording in my car. She was in her home in Montreal. And, you know, just sometimes it is what it is. But I think the information here is applicable to the current stage that we're living in. You can tell that Ida is really passionate about this topic. And I think even though the sound isn't the best, that just shines through. So without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Ida Schottenstein. Ida, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. As I was saying before we jumped on the call, I'm having a little bit of struggle here with the internet, and that's not typically what's happening, so it's throwing me off a little bit, but hopefully we'll be able to make it through and have this great conversation about children and mental health. But before we get into that, I would love to hear more about who you are. I'm Ida Schottenstein. I'm a mother of four, a mental wealth advocate, the creator of the Multi-Role Woman platform, which is dedicated to helping people move kind of from scattered to strategic and just to educate them on the power of the mind and how we can transform our lives just by, you know, changing the way we think. And I do this through my writing, through my lectures, workshops, my podcasts, and uh, really whatever medium I can to get these important messages out. I certainly do consider myself a minimalist, especially as it relates to the mind. You know, I'm always trying to declutter the mind and focus on the things that are most important in the moment and definitely to be intentional as much as I can. Did you feel like you lived that way prior to having children? That's a good question. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. Um, Maybe at the time I did, but Mm -hmm. I think that 
you know, as I get older and start to realize how valuable every moment is, um, you know, I think I continue to change my perspective and I'll bet that in 10 years from now, I'll probably say that, mm-hmm. you know, that years ago, I, I wasn't as intentional as I, as I am today. That's in 10 years from now. So I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, I think we, hopefully we all are. Yeah. Yeah. So you've written the book, Sarah oh, Dreamer, yes. and it does discuss how to build confidence in young minds. Oh. What prompted you to write that? What made you start to see how important it was to prioritize our children's mental health? Well, first I think about the messages that I think I would have benefited from hearing as a child, you know, when I was a child and, you know, all adults were once children. And I think that many of the mental health issues that adults experience are the result of certain messages they may have received as children that, you know, impacted them. So I think it's just important to, first of all, that to remember that prevention and early intervention is the best treatment period. Mm -hmm. So teaching our kids and educating our kids on, you know, how to grow and how to not compare themselves to the people around them, which today is so much harder to not compare themselves than it was when, when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. with social media and, and, and all of these like external forces that are making it so difficult to tap into their own inner strength and figure out what they are. It's just, it's not easy. You know, my mission is to just get kids um, who hopefully like to read picture books to kind of kill two birds with one stone, you know, like mm-hmm. they like the picture books. Let's add some insight into those books so they can uh, gain inspiration from them. And I, I guess I should have yeah. asked you, can you explain uh-huh. a little bit what the theme or maybe what the main idea uh-huh. of Sarah Dreamer is? Yes. So Sarah Dreamer is a little girl and she is often comparing herself to other things. And I specifically chose the things that I chose that she compares herself to are not people. They're animals. Like, for example, a cheetah. She compares herself to a tree because she wants to be taller. You know, she compares herself to a bird because she wants to soar, be above her problems, let's say. And she wants to be able to fly. So she's comparing herself to things that are not realistic in that there's no way she can attain those things that she wants from those external things. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose animals is because I don't think that it's so different with people. We just convince ourselves that we that by comparing ourselves to others that that's a realistic comparison when each person is so unique in their own way and and you know comparison is futile it doesn't um, accomplish anything unless we learn to admire maybe the things about the person that we're looking at and derive strength from it instead of feeling like this scarcity feeling like oh I'm not enough I don't have enough I'm not pretty enough or skinny enough or Mm -hmm. smart enough and all these things you know so that so for a child who's growing up in a world where there's a lot of opportunities for comparison I think it's important for them to realize that first of all that comparing is not helping the way the way it's done now mm-hmm. and that they can change the way they think and they can really tap into their own unique strengths whatever they have to offer into their gifts mm-hmm. and that's really how they can you know meet their potential and be their best selves yeah as we're sitting here having this conversation i'm just thinking back to previous generations and I'm questioning, I'm like, did they compare themselves as much as we do now? I What has changed? I'm sure that there's always been comparison. I'm even talking about like biblical times. Did people used to compare themselves to one another? And I think the answer is yes. But I think that nowadays we just have so much accessibility to one another. I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so you're right. This is an age-old problem. 
And what's interesting is that comparison is more accessible, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we also the tools to overcome these mm-hmm. negative tendencies are also more accessible. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like it goes both ways. And we could choose to either kind of give in to this vortex of comparison that's not improving our mental health, or we can tap into the tools and the resources that are so available right now. I mean, everywhere you look, you can Google, Mm -hmm. you know, ways to improve my mental health. You don't even, I mean, it's not difficult to do, to do things like that. And you can tap into that and find that as well. Yeah, absolutely. How would you say, how can we build confidence in our children? Good question. You know, I think that the first thing we could do um, as parents is to practice confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for our children, they're they're watching us. And very often, you know, parents will say, I want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to have everything they need. But then their kids are watching them say things like, oh, I need to lose weight or, oh, I, you know, I wish I was a, B, and C, you know, fill in the blanks. So I think that the first thing is to practice confidence because it is a practice. It's, mm-hmm. you know, confidence is a, it's almost like a muscle, a mental mm-hmm. muscle that the more you kind of work at it, the, um, you know, the better it gets. I think that with kids, we need to normalize failure mm-hmm. um, and ha- help them recognize that it's okay if, you know, you don't do as well as you thought you would, or if, you know, if, if you didn't, achieve what you want to achieve. And it's not all about achievement. It's about being okay, you know, with who you are, um, you know, teaching kids that they can do hard things, um, and also noticing their strengths more than their weaknesses. And this is really important because kids hear the word no, um, significantly more than they hear the words. Yes. Mm -hmm. The word yes. So just for, for any caregiver, parent, teacher, um, to make sure that there's this ratio where there's a lot more positive than negative, um, messages going to the child. So, you know, for, in a practical way, if we go through the day, like I'm a parent and, you know, sometimes days are hectic, we're home a lot, you know, this is COVID and it's crazy. And sometimes it's hard. Um, and at the end of the day, I like to kind of take an accounting and, and ask myself, did I notice, um, more good things than bad? Was Mm -hmm. I saying, you know, clean up after yourself. Why'd you make a mess? Or was I saying, I noticed that you put away the salt, even mm-hmm. if the eggs are still all over the place, mm-hmm. you know? So it just these little things, these subtle things that we could do, I think can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking too, I want to go back and ask you, I've, I skipped over this question, but I want to say, I guess, how does confidence affect our mental health? But before we get to that, I think it's hard because with this age as well, we have, or I guess I should say a lot of us have the privilege of being able to provide whatever we want for our kids. I mean, within limits, you know what I'm saying? But we do have accessibility to providing toys or experiences or this and that. A lot of us do. And so I think it's hard because we have to make sure that we limit ourselves and not compare, like see what we see others doing through our own comparison. There might not have been as many experiences or possessions that were attainable, I guess, in the past too. I just wanted to add that to what we were kind of talking about earlier. I want to take a minute and tell you about Jonas Paul Eyewear. Founded by Ben and Laura Harrison when their son Jonas was born nearly blind at birth, this was extremely unexpected news that no parent prepares for, but it gave them a window into the world of blindness. Ben and Laura could have let Jonas's visual impairment dampen their spirits, but instead they used this new challenge as fuel to launch Jonas Paul Eyewear. 
which now specializes in glasses for kids and teens ages 4 through 16. Jonas Paul is a convenient way to try on glasses without even leaving your home, all for just $1. It can take time to choose the right pair of frames, but with Jonas Paul, there isn't that feeling of being rushed or pressured before you're ready to make that purchase. You can test out the glasses and order online, all from the safe, clean comfort of your couch. Your kids are going to love these frames, both for the quality and style. Jonas Paul's mission is to help kids feel beautiful and confident in their glasses. Prescription glasses start at $79, including prescription lenses. Blue light blocking lenses are also available for every Jonas Paul eyewear frame. Perfect for that extra screen time and online learning. As a Minimalist Mom listener, you can save 15% off for just listening. Use code MINIMALISTMOMS15 at JonasPaulEyewear.com. That's code MINIMALISTMOMS15 at JonasPaulEyewear.com. Enjoy the magic of Disney music anytime, anywhere. The Disney Hits playlist features all of your favorite Disney songs. Simply say, Alexa, play Disney Hits, or stream Disney Hits on your favorite music service and let the magic of Disney music bring a smile to your face and warm your heart. Disney Hits, the happiest playlist on earth. Disney Hits playlist is now available on all music streaming services. How does confidence affect mental health? And it's something that you've noted on in your book. So I guess what made you think about confidence building to boost our mental health? You know, lack of confidence is really this underlying belief that we aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I believe that mental health issues don't necessarily um, affect our confidence, but a lack of confidence can lead to mental health problems. Mm -hmm. And I see so many people who do have these big challenges that they have to overcome and deal with. I mean, I have, I have ADHD and that's not an easy thing to have, especially considering the, the nature of my work. It's important that we recognize that we can have challenges and have the confidence to know that we can overcome them. So I think that it's not so much the circumstances, but it's the story that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. that really determine how we're going to fare in the world. So I think that confidence is, is in many ways crucial. And not and, and I think many people kind of blur the distinction between confidence and arrogance. Mm-hmm. And they're very different. I think especially for women, you know, who think that being overconfident is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe sometimes... Being too confident is not great. It's nice to have some humility, but I think that if we define confidence in a way where we believe that it's it's a positive thing, where we put ourselves out in the world and we know that nobody's perfect, we're all imperfect human beings, but if we put our best foot forward, that that's good enough. And that in itself deserves, you know, acknowledgement and praise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How would you say your book supports this message? So I think that with kids, developing a sense of inner confidence is really very much about being inspired by the people around them, but always remembering that the very best gifts that they can offer to the world already exists inside of them. And happiness is an inside job. I also believe very strongly in the power of unconditional love. And so the story is really, it's about a mother and her unconditional love for her daughter. And that, and it's clear in the story that she sees her daughter as whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And very often, you know, kids feel like they're kind of machines with broken parts. Like they don't, they they feel kind of, um, they, they live in a 
bit of a scarcity mindset and not all kids, but many kids, because the mental health issues are really on the rise right now, especially amongst children. So we really have to make sure that they are constantly reminded of how if they want to find happiness that happens from the inside out, you know, not the other way around. Absolutely. Yeah. And just going back, you said that kids are struggling with confidence now probably more than ever. And I do really think it goes back to connectivity. I just think that previous generations were never this connected to one another. And just the phone access, just having Instagram open all day long. It's just, I think that as parents, we probably can get a lot better. I'm speaking this for myself too, because I struggle with screens for my five-year-old. So I know that once she gets a phone at some point, just being really intentional about setting boundaries and how much time she's spending doing that. And I think even with something as silly as an Instagram filter, seeing yourself changed and your best feedback features emphasize. I know I'm talking about physical beauty. I know that that's one element of confidence, but just seeing what you look like with that filter on versus what you see when you look in the mirror, it's just so unhealthy in comparison with everyone else. And again, I know that I'm talking about superficial type of confidence right now, but just, I think little things like that do bleed into our overall confidence of who we are and we should gain our confidence from the qualities about ourselves that make us unique and strong. And I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. I actually also have a five-year-old daughter and um, she loves using the iPad. Of course she does. Mm -hmm. I mean, most kids do, I guess. But um, regarding social media, I absolutely agree with everything you said. And I, you know, knowing more now than I used to, Mm because I've only kind of jumped into this field, like really jumped in, in the last two to three years. I mean, I've I've been studying mental health for a long time, but I started to just shift little things that I used to do. So for example, very often, like let's say, for example, if a child doesn't feel confident, they'll tell their parent, you know, um, let's say I don't feel pretty, for example. Mm -hmm. And a parent's instinct is to say, no, you are, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Just something so subtle as to say, you have such a beautiful soul, kind of like to acknowledge that beauty is not necessarily external, that Mm -hmm. there are other elements of beauty that are as if not more important um and then to notice the things that she's doing that are of service so i try i mean you know it's easier said than done but i try to notice things that she does rather than the things that she is so i I used to say whereas i used to say oh you're so smart now i'll say you know i love that you spend so much time and you're so patient putting Mm -hmm. these stickers on the sheet Mm -hmm. um so kind of like just shifting the way we speak to our kids in that regard um, making it more about things that they have control over rather than the things that they don't getting really like detailed with the things that we're complimenting and not having them also attached to, I don't know, just, I want my kids to know how unique they are and that's what makes them stand out to me. And every child is like that. Every child is different. And that's a great thing that we're all different and we bring so much to the table. And I think just instilling those thoughts in our kids provides such a boost of confidence too. And even if they do something that we would deem weird, well, that's, that's awesome too. And that makes you stand out and that makes you unique. And I don't know, I just, I am a big proponent of mental health and encouraging that just because I feel like I struggled so much in high school with my own insecurities and I just want to really shift that for my kids. It wasn't anything my parents did necessarily wrong. It's just we didn't really talk about that or maybe I wasn't engaged with them. And so I think we as parents have such an opportunity to be in communication with our kids about this. And for the little ones, reading a book such as yours and really dialoguing and asking questions throughout is so important. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And it seems I had a similar experience to you um, mm-hmm. in high school. And I, you know, I often think about how do I want my kids, my girls especially, to be the way I was in high mm-hmm. school? And the answer is most definitely no. And so I, I try to remember that um, if I want them to be a certain way, there can't be a double standard where I have to, I have to practice those things that I want them to practice. And mm-hmm. somehow, like, we give ourselves this kind of, um, like we write off our, ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, at the ex- at the expense of our well being. We kind of will assume that oh, if we focus on our kids, and our kids will be fine. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if we're fine or not. But when the truth is that it does matter because kids do what we do, not really what we say. Mm-hmm. So I think the greatest gift we can give our children and ourselves, it's a win-win, is to practice the things that we would want our kids to practice, mm-hmm. you know, when they grow up and they're our age, to do those things, because that's really our best bet at raising healthier and happier and, and more wholesome kids. Yeah. And if we're doing that in the beginning, if say that we are someone that struggles with just feeling confident. I know it's hard sometimes because we as adults have our own comparison issues, but I think even just faking it till you make it, that's kind of cliche to say, but the more that you do that, the more that you believe that you are what you say, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And then it just kind of falls into place, but you're totally right. Our kids are watching us and they're reacting pretty much in line with the way that we behave. That's, I I just can see it already in my daughter. She is just like a little mini me. So I'm like, anything that I do, (laughs) I need to really pay attention. Or you feel the same way about your daughter? Yeah. And it just reminds me of this quote where, um, where focus goes, energy grows. No, yeah, we're, fo- we're focused, grows, energy goes. And, and you know what that basically is, is that the, the stuff we focus on continue to grow. So I'm also a huge proponent of um, writing, uh, keeping a gratitude journal mm. because it's the same concept, same principle, you know, and I try to have my kids do it also. And my daughter, I mean, my daughter's not really writing yet, but I'll have her draw what she's grateful for. And that kind of gets the mind into a gratitude mindset. And then you start to notice the things you have Mm -hmm. as opposed to things that you don't. And it really does work. I've seen it work in my own life and with some of the clients that I work with. It's it's transformational. No, that's great. Well, do you have any other maybe tips for us that you'd like to share in regards to how we can really cultivate a strong boost of confidence in our kids or a strong mental health or like any resources? Yeah. Um, well, I would say first and foremost is a pen and paper, which everybody has. And I like, you know, I love for tools to be accessible and tangible, something you could start right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a pen and paper, you have a child who's old enough to draw, have them draw something that they love. A child old enough to write, have them write what they're grateful for. And kids love doing this mm-hmm. um, more than we know. I started doing it with my kids in the beginning of the summer. And, you know, we kind of, we weren't super consistent, but we, we did it, you know, mm-hmm. for a good two weeks and I started to see the change in them and they were waking up in the mor- in the morning excited to write in their gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. I keep one every day. I actually created my own that I eventually published because I started using it with my clients who liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, you've got this. It's basically a 21 day mental wealth challenge where mm-hmm. you write down, it's, it's a daily journal. You write three things you're grateful for. You write down your intentions, affirmations, and then you kind of go through the day and you write down everything that you're doing throughout the day. And at the end of the day, you could kind of take an accounting and go over the stuff. So like you, you, you still have to write down if you're scrolling social media for two hours, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm pretty certain that, I mean, for me, especially at the end of the day, I see my daily log sheet and I see that I was on social media for two hours and I certainly won't want to do that same thing the next day. Mm-hmm. So I think that writing things down makes, um, 
makes us more accountable Mm -hmm. and helps us kind of step up our game Mm -hmm. to meet our goals more easily. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that if we're seeing things like that, because mine's a lot more than two hours these days, I swear, ever since COVID, I'm like, why am I spending so much time on my phone? But there's no shame in seeing things that you want to change. And I think all that to say, we don't want to sit there. We don't want to stay there. It's There's definitely a purpose to seeing some of the negative things about ourselves that we would want to change and then moving through those and eventually overcoming. Most definitely. Absolutely. Well, where can listeners find you or grab a copy of your book if they'd like to check it out? Um, so it's available on Amazon and artscroll.com, which is the publisher. I think soon to be available at your local bookstore. But for now, I guess most things are being bought online considering yeah. the situation. Yeah. They could also actually find a, a link for the book on multiralewoman.com, which oh, is great. my website. Just everything is there. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up the interview, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? I guess simplifying the messages that I believe kids need to hear Mm -hmm. in self-help books. We have all of this amazing insight and information like Brene Brown and and all of these people who have amazing wisdom. I'm trying to simplify that Mm -hmm. into and in a way that it could be communicated to kids so that they can also benefit from these like really vital messages. Oh, I love that. That's um okay, so you're taking like their larger ideas of their books, stripping them down so that they're accessible for children. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. I have never really thought to do that. You're right. Because for a five-year-old could totally benefit from a lot of the wisdom that's in these books that we're reading. It's just, I don't want to say, how do you dumb it down? That's not what I mean. You're right. How do you simplify that? That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like making it digestible for yeah. all ages. And I, and I actually think that when parents read the book, they're also absorbing these messages. So the cool thing about making it accessible to kids is that it's accessible to adults, to adults also. They're also reading those books. So it's kind of cool that you can get those messages in very simplified for, for the masses, for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's, um, this is not exactly what you're talking about, but there's a really cool app called Blinkist and it's a bunch of nonfiction books that are condensed into like 15 to 45 minutes, I think of an audiobook, And then just yeah, basically sure. the big takeaway points. So even something like that using Blinkist and then condensing that even further for a child's accessibility. I think that's a great idea. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this can be in relation to minimalism, simple living, intentional living, or just something you're really excited about. So it's very much related to our conversation, but it is just decluttering the mind through journaling. Okay. And it is amazing what can happen when you write things down and you free your mind up um, and you give it, you allow it more energy to do the things that you need to do by cluttering. So yeah, I love that whole idea journaling, decluttering, and being intentional about what you want to do and getting those things done. If you are getting your mind decluttered, that's really how you start decluttering tangibly in your home. If your mind isn't in the right place and you don't have the motivation and the mindset that you can do this, that you can live a life with less, I mean, that's really where you start this whole journey, I guess I would say, with minimalism is to really get your mind simplified and in the right track, basically. So I am... A big proponent of journaling and really, like you said, decluttering your mind. I I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ida, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast, sharing some of the wisdom that you've learned with the listeners. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This was a pleasure being here.
What did you think of the interview? I think, especially in these days, it's just really easy to feel helpless when it comes to our child's mental health and well-being. That said, as Ida said, we have some tools in our toolbox and it's really never too late to start opening doors of communication with our children. And I would just suggest if you haven't started yet, start talking about feelings, start listening, ask your child questions, model healthy habits, apologize. And something that's been very beneficial for me specifically when it comes to my five-year-old is to let her see me fail and to realize that that's okay. I'm going to pick myself back up again. I'm not going to stay down. It's okay if we're down for a little while, but I want her to see me build that confidence to know it's okay to mess up. It's okay to fail at things. We're not going to succeed at everything that we try, but we keep pressing on. So that's a little bit of my wisdom there for you. (laughs) I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Join me back here next week as I once again speak to YouTuber Sarah Therese. We talk all about playing independently and Sarah brought so many great tips like she did last time with the Thrifting 101 episode. I recorded this about a month ago and I have been using her wisdom ever since. So join me back here next week for that conversation. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.